everyone. My name is Michelle and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today I'm joined once again by my friend Vivian and we are talking about the movie How to Be Single. Hey Viv. Hey Michelle. How are you? I'm good. How are things? I'm good. Thanks again for joining me on another episode. I'm so excited. Of course, me too. (laughs) All right, so a few things about the movie. The release date was in February of 2016. The movie is directed by Christian Ditter. It's written by Liz Tuchelo. It stars Dakota Johnson, Rebel Wilson, Leslie Mann, and a bunch of other people. The imdb.com summary is... A group of young adults navigate love and relationships in New York City. And the score on IMDb is a 6.1. It made around $100 million at the box office. I did want to mention that this is written by Liz Tuchelo. It was actually a book that came out in 2008. So that I did not know. I was actually wondering about that. Yeah. All right. So let's dive in. What would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? So I'm going to walk you through my process because I initially gave this movie an 8.75. And then I was like, and then I was like, wait, this isn't B plus quality. This is A minus quality. So I give it a 9.0. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) Is that high? (laughs) No, I'm sorry. My reaction is mostly because (laughs) I thought you were going to go back, but you went higher. I went higher. Yeah. You went higher. Okay. I, I'm giving this a 6.3. Whoa. I know. You usually agree on these things. I know. I know. That's why, like, we talked a little bit about this before recording, but I was a little nervous to hear your score <laughs> now compared to my score. You're giving it a D? A D minus? <laughs> that, is, that is really harsh. That does seem incredibly harsh. We can talk about it. Yeah. This score might have to change. Maybe you'll persuade me by the end of this Maybe. to change my score. <laughs> Let's start before we get into what we like and what we don't like. Mm -hmm. Maybe this might give me and other people some insight, but what is your relationship with this movie? Yeah, so I actually was trying to pinpoint when I first watched it, and I, like, cannot tell you when. I I don't think it was in the theater. Mm -hmm. I think I watched it after the fact, after it had been out for a while, and thinking, oh my god, I missed a great movie. But I think the from the first time I watched it, it struck me as a movie that was sort of like an anti-rom-com. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like all movies, you sort of relate these things back to your, like, life events and what you're going through. Um, and so maybe it struck out to me a little bit more just because I was like, okay, I really like the message, which is like, you, you know, you don't need to settle down with someone. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we'll get into that later, but that's sort of been my relationship with the movie is like, it's sort of really different in terms of, you know, the rom-coms of like rooting for the two people that end up together at the end, despite all odds. Yeah, it was just really different. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, yeah, we'll unpack this a little bit more later on, but similar to you, I don't think I saw this movie in theaters. I actually think I saw this for the first time on a plane. Hmm. And I remember being kind of surprised by it. In a a good way? In a a good way, yeah. Being pleasantly surprised. I think that was maybe the only time I'd seen the movie in Mm -hmm. full. Mm -hmm. And then rewatching it before us now talking about it. That was probably my second time seeing it. So yeah, there's not a a huge relationship with this movie. Mm -hmm. Which is why I think my score is a little bit lower. Like there's no nostalgia factor. There's not a lot of pull towards even the actors. Like Dakota Johnson is... I don't love her. I don't hate her. Like, I think other than Fifty Shades of Grey, this is mm-hmm. the only thing I've seen her in. But yeah, let's let's get into it more then. Let's start with what you liked about the movie. Yeah, so I love, um, I love the message. You know, like I said, it's kind of like the anti-rom-com. Like, you know, instead of finding happiness in your partner, which all rom-coms preach, I really love that what Dakota Johnson's character takes you through is this like, you know, you often sort of lose your a sense of your identity and yourself by chasing these ideals. And, and, you know, I think also through Lucy's character, who's played by Alison Brie, you know, dating is a number is a numbers game, which, you know, I can attest to that feeling that way. But yeah, I love the message that you can find contentment in being alone and being single. Yeah, I agree. I think, to your point, this is not a traditional Mm-hmm. quote unquote rom-com it's a different type of ending I personally love the fact that Dakota Johnson doesn't have the traditional happy ending in which she finds with a partner but it's mostly it's with herself and she's doing the things that she has always wanted to do she's gone on this path of self-discovery mm-hmm. which isn't again to your point something we see a whole lot 
So yeah, I really, I really liked that as well. And I think I wonder too, when, you know, when you said that you saw it, you know, once before rewatching it again, I do know that it's not like a very popular rom-com. And I do wonder if like, because it's such a unpopular theme, if that's kind of, you know, why people don't talk about it Mm. or it's not mentioned a lot, but you saying what you just told me about, like not really it resonating with you makes me wonder if it's not popular for that reason. That's a good question. So, okay, this is what I think. I think a lot of people probably tune into rom-coms because it makes them feel hopeful and Mm -hmm. they want to see the traditional happy ending despite all their trials and tribulations. Mm -hmm. So I think this movie is unique and different in good ways because Alice, Dakota Johnson, she goes through these trials and tribulations, but her ending is a different type of hopeful. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not, I guess, a normal ending in which people want to find comfort in a traditional happy ending. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Maybe this movie is underrated. Like, this is a category that we usually talk about at the end, but I'm happy to talk about it now. Like, I know you love this movie, so I think this is probably underrated in your opinion, right? Yeah, like, what did you say the rating was on um, IMDb? 6.1. Okay, so you actually gave it a really similar rating. I did. But I think my... (laughs) I'm I'm trying to defend my six point. (laughs) No, no, I think that says something about the unpopularity of of the movie. It doesn't shock me. Like, it doesn't shock me that it's not, you know, like a iconic rom-com film. Yeah. I mean, am am I sad? Yeah, I'm a little, (laughs) I'm a little sad, but I don't know. I guess there's something to be said about like, yeah, maybe people reach for like the rom-coms if they want like a feel good and a different kind of feel good of like, right. Of like two people ending up happily ever after and like sort of in a like no questions asked kind of way. I know last time when we talked about 13 going on 30, that was like the quintessential, like, you know, they get to live in this house um, with no problems and she gets to take back so many years of her life. Like this was a, a very much more realistic movie. And I think that's why I love it so much is because like even for my friends that are like despite their relationship status I think there's something to glean from the message which is like you should never hope to find yourself in someone else right we can tackle this a little bit more like once we've hashed out Mm -hmm. everything about this movie I have a feeling my score might change just because (laughs) you might persuade me but I I had an inkling that this might happen so anything else you liked about it You know, I I think I kind of have similar feelings as you towards Dakota Johnson, like no strong feelings. I, I haven't watched Fifty Shades. I didn't read the book. I know there was like such a big cultural following that year. And I think this movie came out after. Yes, actually, Fifty Shades, the first one came out in 2015. So this was after that. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I remember like seeing her face, like being like, oh, I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I I know she's from that other, um, that other movie, even though I didn't watch it. And I thought she did a good job. Like, I thought she was likable, relatable. And I will, you know, like any rom-com that's filmed in New York, <laughs> I'm, I'm all about. So, I don't know. You know, there's just that feeling of, like, anything is possible in New York. Romance is possible. Love is possible. So, anything that's based in New York, I'm, I'm all about. But I, I do like the acting. Dakota Johnson's not someone that I would, like, go see a movie just because she's in it. But I thought she did a really good job. She seemed genuine. And then I just love like the host of other characters because I think some of them are not like super well known. But like Alison Brie, I love I love Lucy's character because I think a lot of women can probably identify with dating being a numbers game. And she sits in that bar in the beginning with this like crazy silly algorithm, and she, you know she gets made fun of. But like, can you really fault her when women are forced to sort of like uh, how many thousands of men are single and available in the town or city that I live in. And so anyways, I I think her character is just really adorable. Yeah. I love that scene actually, Mm -hmm. where she takes the peanuts and like starts weeding out (laughs) all the available men. That was a nice visual. Yeah. I think those are conversations that a lot of women probably have with amongst their girlfriends. It's like, there's so many men here, but there's only like like, fraction of men. Yeah. Yeah. That I would be into. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you about the things you said about the cast. So I'm just going to name off the other like ensemble people. Mm-hmm. So Alison Brie as Lucy, Anders Holm as Tom, Leslie Mann as Sister Meg. Love her. Love her. 
Damon Wayans Jr. as David, Jake Lacey as Ken, Love him. Nicholas Braun as Josh, and Jason Manzukis as George. This is a pretty stacked, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Most of these people, everyone knows who they are now. Like, I, when I saw this in 2016, I might not have known Nicholas Braun, who plays Josh, but he's been around more because he's cousin Greg in Succession. I don't know if you watched that show I, on HBO. Yeah, but. I've seen his, I definitely have seen his face. So I know he's been in um, a lot of, you know, hit dramas. But when this came out, I would not have recognized anyone. Yeah. So it's well acted. I really like the supporting cast. To your point about New York City, I'm 100% <laughs> on board with you. I love these rom-coms always set in New York. It's this idea. I mean, we talked about it a little bit while we talked about 13 going on 30, but I kind of love this theme or this trend that people come to the city to kind of quote unquote find themselves. And they're hopeful because there's so much opportunity mm-hmm. and potential to grow in their careers and meet new people. Totally. Yeah, it's exciting. Other things that I personally really liked about this movie is I really love Damon Wayans Jr. in this. Mm -hmm. I just love him. I forgot that he was in this movie. Damon Wayans Jr. is in this TV show called Happy Endings, which I think has a cult following. I Hmm. love that show. (laughs) If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend. It's actually on Hulu right now. It ended too soon. Happy Endings helped to add that. Happy Endings, yes. And then... Maybe we will talk about this a little bit later, but I specifically really liked the relationship between Alice and her sister Meg, Mm -hmm. played by Leslie Mann, Mm -hmm. kind of overlooking the fact that there's a huge age gap between these two people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like that Meg was kind of, she wasn't an overbearing sister. I think she was a pretty realistic older sister Mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, she was like, are you making the best decisions, blah, 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 all these things. But Meg kind of had her own obstacles to overcome Mm -hmm. and that she wasn't just a side character, but I think she was given some justice in having her own kind of story and the whole journey of wanting to have a baby. I really, I just, I really like that they had some tender moments in there too. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she did a really good job of, again, like their interactions together, I thought felt very natural, felt very Mm -hmm. authentic. Yeah. And then like, I know we talked about this a little bit more, but the obvious message, which we're kind of all throughout is that we don't really see a lot of films or depictions of women trying to be proud of being single. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's this character, Alice, who's trying to find her independence and trying to understand who she is without a partner. There's also this other thing that I realized, you know, Robin, who is played by Rebel Wilson, she's kind of like this party girl, but Alice never passes any judgment on her, on her life choices, even though they may be very different from Alice's life choices. But There's kind of like this automatic solidarity amongst the women. It's just, I'm not judging you for your decisions, but also like, don't tell me how to live my life. Mm -hmm. Like just because Robin likes to, you know, sleep around and meet other people and she's just so ridiculous, (laughs) you know, flashing her boobs to like, as form of payment, like that's, you know, that's not who Alice is, but there's no shaming the other person. Mm -hmm in their choices that they've made. So it's not overt, but I thought it was a really subtle kind of understanding amongst the women and solidarity of just, yeah, we're all just trying to figure out who we are. And And it looks different to every, between Rebel Wilson's character, Meg and and Alice. It Mm -hmm. just dawned on me when you, when you said that last thing, because I I think Rebel Wilson represents this, like, yeah, like you said, this like provocative, free-spirited, like, she does whatever the fuck she wants, and, like, and the t- the other two sisters are nothing like that, but they're still independent, you know, in their own right, and trying to figure out what they want. Yeah, and I think that this, this movie kind of shows that everyone has their own path, mm-hmm. and that's okay, you know? And I mean, that's, that's kind of the point, is that everyone kind of has their own journey in figuring out who they are, and where they are in their lives. Right. Just because it doesn't involve a man doesn't mean it has to look like a particular way. Right. Right. All right. So let's move on to what you didn't like about the movie. So on the topic of Rebel Wilson, I think she represents the like ideal wing woman. But at the same time, she, I thought was really obnoxious in certain scenes. And I really hate obnoxious people. (laughs) So I just that like, that's the only thing that bothered me, I think was you know, I think she has her own kind of humor. Like she kind of is typecasted sometimes and playing these like ridiculous roles, which again, I love, but I think some, some of the scenes and some of her like lines were just like, if I were in Alice's shoes, I'd be so annoyed, but. Right. 
that's just me. Okay, interesting. I actually thought of this movie, like, you know, after I watched it and I was like typing up my notes, I was like, I wonder where Viv will fall on this. About Rebel? Just about certain topics, yeah. And then Rebel came up because hmm. I actually filed her under things I don't like about the movie as well. Interesting. I could make the case for her. I think she's funny and refreshing. I don't know. I, I kind of, I put her in this on, in this category of things I don't like, but then I thought about it. I was like, why don't I like her? Mm-hmm. Yes, she's obnoxious. But then I kind of was like trying to challenge myself in the sense that when I watch these male-centered comedies, it's like sometimes the most ridiculous and obnoxious person is the best part of the movie. Yeah. I'm like, am I trying, am I, am I playing into this double standard of a woman not being able to be hmm. outlandishly funny? But that said, I talked about her in Bridesmaids also, and I didn't, I'm, I'm kind of neutral about her, I guess. Mm-hmm. She's funny and refreshing, as I just said, but also she plays the same character. Uh-huh. It's not quote unquote good acting if she's just playing herself. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm still kind of on the fence about her. You know, there's something to be said that I did file her under the things I don't like about the movie also. Yeah, and I I wonder if like, if she... Because, like, yeah, like, to your point, Bridesmaids, Pitch Perfect, she's always that, like, really super loud, obnoxious, you know, kind of sexual girl that everyone sort of, like, laughs along with. But I, I wonder if they casted a totally different character, if it would work as well at the same time. Mm. Like, as annoyed as I was at her her being obnoxious, maybe, like, another kind of character or personality would, like, the dynamics between the three Alice and and Meg and Robin may not, I guess, mesh so well. Yeah, I hadn't thought far enough down the line to be like, who would have been better in this role? Mm -hmm. But it's interesting. (laughs) Both of us are kind of just like, "Eh, yeah, she's she's okay. She's just, yeah. So one thing I didn't really like about the movie is the storyline of Lucy and Tom. And I know you said that you love Lucy, Lucy's character, but I just felt like it was a little extra Mm. slash... Hmm. It wasn't necessary. So just just between her and Tom or like her in general? Her and Tom. I like that Lucy was a character in this movie because mm-hmm. I think that she shows a realistic portrayal of a lot of women just being like kind of obsessed with this idea of numbers and just trying to weed out all the unavailable men. Mm-hmm. But the whole Tom and Lucy thing, I just didn't feel like it was necessary. Okay, I have something to say. I think that Tom's role in Lucy's life was to kind of like loosen her up a little bit. Because mm. remember that scene when she has like she realizes she has like a high school friend or like a college girlfriend come in and they're having they're having a bachelorette party and they're yeah. like getting married, blah blah blah, and she's like kind of forced <laughs> to say this like really ridiculous thing about like no one will love her enough to even be divorced. Like I just think that part is so funny and mm. so well done. But then like Tom swoops around. And, like, just kisses her in front of all her friends and, like, kind of comes to her rescue. Yeah. I think, if anything, Tom's sort of, like, he's this bad boy. He's, like, a fuck, the ultimate fuckboy, right? Like, he doesn't want to settle down. But I think he maybe makes Allison realize, like, I'm sorry, Lucy. Maybe she does realize, like, maybe I am a little ridiculous for thinking that Mm. I can, like, meet a guy and in 18 months I want to get married. Remember that that opening scene with her in the coffee shop and, like, some guy... Uh, he like picks her up and she basically says like, oh, my wedding is um 18 months after I meet the perfect oh, guy. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, like how ridiculous is that? But then how realistic is that at the same time? Like women thinking like, you know, by X, I don't know, maybe I'm just speaking for a small percentage of women out there. But I think women do like plan incessantly in their head of like a timeline and meeting this timeline because they've got, you know, this internal clock racing against them mm-hmm. or whatever. But anyways, going back to Tom, I think, Maybe Tom, maybe that was his, like, sole purpose was to, like, make her think a little differently and, like, not take herself so seriously. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Because looking back, he definitely is kind of a vehicle for her. He kind of does help her realize you can't just rely on numbers. You need to, like, do things and meet people and just, like, live life. Um, So, yeah, there's some truth to that for sure. Okay. Do you think he, like, his role in Alice's life, does that bother you? Oh, like their fling? Yeah. No, I do think it's a little unrealistic. Mm-hmm. I think they were using each other as vehicles, like using sex to cope with their loneliness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's very evolved for two people to be able to do that with no strings attached, in my opinion. 
usually it's like one person might want more than the other person. Like they're never usually on the same page, but for that's true, I guess. Yeah. Alice and Tom, it's like so seamless. <laughs> it's like, we're just here to have sex with each other and commiserate because the people we actually like don't want us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a little too perfect of a scenario. Yeah. 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 This is a little specific about what I didn't like about the movie is the whole concept where Robin's trying to explain to Alice about the drink limit. Oh. (laughs) Your drink limit plus your partner's drink limit automatically means like you're going to have sex if you go over that limit. I feel like it was really contrived and really trying trying hard to like a little, trying a little too hard. Yeah. It was very convenient that like Alice is in Tom's apartment and she's counting the bottles and she's like, wait, oh no, 11, we hit 11. And then they just automatically like just go to bed with each other. I was like, okay. Yeah. I don't know if I needed that, but yeah. And I like never heard that before. I mean, I'm sure it was something that they like made up for the movie. My thinking is that it was made up for the movie. And I think it was just trying really hard to kind of like be compelling or like, I don't know, to have like a sound bite that I just didn't love that Mm. about the movie, I guess. Mm -hmm. One other thing I didn't love is, so we see Alice kind of go on this journey of how to be single, but her journey is mostly in montages of when she actually is single. Like she's taking a self-defense class. She's taking a cooking class. She's riding her bike across the bridge. Like these are all just kind of little nuggets, Mm -hmm. but those are the moments where she's actually single. And I feel like they kind of gloss over those moments. It would have been nice to see like, how she dealt with those moments because it seems like she's really enjoying it. She's free in those moments. But I also feel like it's a little unrealistic to be so comfortable in being single like that. For sure. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I think like being happy in your singledom is something that doesn't come overnight. It's a philosophy. Like it's something that you really have to wrap your, your whole lifestyle around. I think what's interesting is, like, like, sure, there's that one scene where, like, she decides to, like, go full-on party mode and, like, she wakes up in some guy's house and, like, embarrassingly wakes up and tiptoes out. But she doesn't really talk about how, like, the sleeping around and, like, dating the wrong types of guys is, like, bad. Like, she doesn't really talk about that specifically until the very end. Right. And I think maybe that's the point is that she didn't know how to be single throughout the length of the movie. And it's not till the end where she finally realizes and accepts this situation, not situation, but where she is in her life Mm -hmm. of being single. So maybe that's kind of the point. And I just negated my point, but (laughs) I don't know. This whole idea of being single is it's, it's a hard concept to kind of dive into Mm -hmm. completely because everybody has different evolutions and how uh, they are single. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll just speak to my, for myself personally, it's that when I was single, yeah, I did the party thing, living in New York, lived it up. I kind of think it's hilarious that my lifestyle is so different now. Yeah, I was actually very afraid of being alone while I was single, but it didn't drive me to be with the wrong person. I think once I got married, uniquely is when I learned to be more comfortable with being by myself. Interesting. I was, you know, I am, I was a pretty strong extrovert. I think I'm less so now. Mm. So I think being alone, spending time alone made me a little nervous. I didn't know how to be alone by myself. But now you're more comfortable in in being alone is what you're saying. Yeah. But that didn't happen until I got married Mm. because there was a stretch of time that I wasn't working. So I had all this time to myself Mm. and I was like, oh, this is a really unique situation that I'm in. Mm -hmm. I'd never gone out to eat by myself at a restaurant. I'd never seen a movie by myself. So once I got married and I had this weird patch of free time, I went a little crazy with my time. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to go out to eat at all these restaurants by myself. I started seeing Broadway shows by myself. And I found strength in that because I didn't realize that I wasn't able to do that before that's so interesting so would you would you attribute it to frank or would you attribute it to like that period of of time in your life where you had more time to do these things that you wanted to do i think maybe it's a little bit of both yeah a i had the time but then i also like b i came home to security i had someone Mm. waiting for me at home Mm -hmm. i felt empowered to do all these things because i knew that i had 
someone in my life. Yeah, that's very true. I, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but I definitely have more than one girlfriend who doesn't want to be alone. I don't think any of us, truth to be told, are, like, I don't think it comes naturally. I think we are conditioned to, like, be around people, which is why this quarantine thing is, like, actually taking a psychological toll on a lot of people. But I think to truly be comfortable in your own skin and like something has to trigger that feeling organically or something has to happen that makes you feel it's not like an overnight switch. Yeah, I think that feeling of wanting to be single is actually something that a lot of people want to fight it. I think it's something that people mm. may say on the exterior that they that they want it and they're happy. But I, I do sometimes wonder, like, you know, if they if they really mean it and if it comes easily, because I, mm. I personally don't think it comes easily. Yeah, I think, I agree with you. I don't think it comes easily in the idea of wanting to be single. I think a lot of older people, by choice, choose to be single. I think maybe it's a financial situation. Mm. Maybe it's like, in a, you know, like a very deeply personal situation. But I, the older I've become, I do think that there are people out there who do want to be single. Mm-hmm. Single maybe meaning just not wanting to get married. Or maybe that just means like not even having a companion in life. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're 20, which is what Alice is in this movie, like she just graduated college, we all, I mean, maybe I'm generalizing, but nobody wants to be single when they're in their 20s. Yeah, not that decade. Yeah, I mean, single like to have fun and party, but not to ultimately be single. I don't think that's the goal when you're 20 Mm -hmm. is to like not have a partner. But I think maybe just like living life, meeting people, going through these ups and downs is when people maybe realize, oh, maybe I'm better off being single. Mm -hmm. But when you're Alice's age, that's definitely not the case, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little too like convenient of like how how easy she was to, to be able to get over that hump. Yeah. And I think like, I don't know, we're you and I are like, we're in our 30s. And I feel like we're, st- you know, we're still no, we're still trying to figure our shit out. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't end this journey of like, quote unquote, self discovery and achieving your dreams, right? So I think like, it's a hard topic to unpack. But I do think that this movie does kind of bring to the forefront, some kind of struggles that maybe women in their 20s kind of struggle with. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I, th- I think, Building off of that point, there's another theme in the movie that I saw through Meg's character, which is like, you know, do you have to sacrifice your personal life at the expense of your profession, right? Because she's this like Mm. successful doctor, she has this really cute apartment, but she fully admits that she um, doesn't have time for a relationship. And, you know, she doesn't reveal whether like she ever had an ex-boyfriend or, you know, a romantic interest, but she's sort of like made up in her mind that she's just going to do in vitro with um, a sperm donor. And I also feel like that's not something that movies generally talk about. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and they don't make it a big point in the movie, but I think that's, that's another, like, I think it's just so interesting because Alice represents this like young, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed 20-year-old who moves to the city, like, the world is at her fingertips, and then her sister, who is presumably, like, older, maybe 30s, maybe early 40s, she's just, like, you get the sense that she's, like, happy, but there's still, like, something missing. But it doesn't involve her being single, like, relationship-wise. That thing that's missing is a baby, so right. I thought that was also, I don't know, kind of well done. And then, like, the guy that comes into her life is just sort of, like, an accident. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah, like, her focus is not finding a partner. Mm-hmm. It's to just find fulfillment and realizing she actually wants a baby. She doesn't want a husband or a boyfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's actually one of my favorite scenes is when Meg is watching this baby, like one of her patients has to go to the bathroom or whatever. And she's just like talking to this baby, <laughs> this really, really cute baby. And you just see uh, Leslie Mann, she just like falls in love with this baby. Mm-hmm. She's like, you're, you know, you can't, you can't deceive me. I forget what she says, but she's like, by the end, she's like, okay, I get it now. Like, I think she had been harboring that desire for a really long time. And maybe in her mind, she just didn't think she could do it all mm-hmm. or not do it all, but you know, like be a, be a good doctor mom. and have a baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was just really, it was a nice refreshing moment where it's like, yeah, we don't, we don't see that depicted a lot. I think we've kind of been talking about themes. Um, I did have a thought though. I mean, again, maybe this is because Alice is in her 20s and she kind of thinks that she has to have one or the other. Like, I I can't achieve my dreams if I'm 
with you, Josh. So, you know, she's like, I want to be single. I want to like figure out what I want to do on my own time. And, you know, I'm not saying break up or just taking, taking a beat, you know, on a quote unquote break. But, and this is just my perspective because, you know, I'm someone who has now been married for quite a few years, but just because you are with a partner doesn't mean that you cannot achieve your dreams. Mm-hmm. And I do think that there's something to be said about a woman in their 20s versus like a woman in her 30s. Like, you know, dreams also evolve and change. Mm -hmm. But I just want to put it out there that just because you have a partner (laughs) doesn't mean that you cannot achieve your dreams. Yeah, no, totally. And that's why I think like I would recommend this movie to married, single, divorced women alike. Because I, I hope the takeaway is that what you just said, like you don't need someone, you don't need the absence of someone in order to still pursue those dreams. Like I think Alice in the beginning, she talked about like, why do I always want to do these things? But I never like get around to doing that. And her boyfriend at the time, Josh is sort of like, well, you always talk about it, but you like talk yourself out of it. You know, I think a lot of people are guilty of that, myself included. But yeah, I mean, hopefully the takeaway when I recommend this movie to my friends is that like, yeah, you partner or no partner, you can still have your own voice and chase the things you want to chase. Yeah. I think it is easier to pursue things when you are single. And I I think that has a lot to do with like just having time, like having time in your hands and being able to like, I don't know, it's like one less person to worry about if you're trying to like sign up for a class or like book a trip or something like I'm sure you have. Like, I have a couple friends that have done trips on their own, which I think is really cool and, like, really courageous. You know, I I applaud those people that have done that because I think that's something that, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, like, well, don't you worry about, you know, XYZ and security and being safe and Mm -hmm. whatever. But I've heard only positive things from the people that have traveled to, like, far destinations by themselves. Yeah, I don't know. Just food for thought. I do think it is a little easier to do it on your own versus, like, being with someone yeah I think like just the mere logistics it's easier but I do think that dreams do change goals change and yeah I mean true they evolve they can evolve but yeah that was that was one of my um points I wanted to highlight do you have any other kind of themes I do want to talk a little bit about family being a theme and maybe this is something that's just like fresh in my head because of 13 going on 30 you know, like her, uh, when I say her, Jenna, Jenna Rink, played by Jennifer Gardner, like erasing all those years and realizing like her mom still is like a cornerstone. I think the theme of family, I think Alice is very, very fortunate to have sort of like her sister to fall back on. You know, I think having that falling back option is something a lot of people have that really shapes who they become. One of my favorite scenes, and we can we can get to like favorite scenes in a little bit, but I think just one of the favorite scenes in the movie that makes it a favorite scene for me is the time when Alice, I think it's when Tom admits that like he goes, like he goes through the things that he's like pretty much like booby trapped his apartment so that girls don't want to stay over. Mm-hmm. And she's like probably thinking, oh my God, this guy is horrible. He's got crazy problems. I think that's what prompts it. I again, I can I could be wrong. I'm sort of thinking out loud here, but she like runs to her sister's apartment in the middle of the night, and you know, like she's like, I know I'm not supposed to need you, but I've sort of lost mm-hmm. myself. I think the the theme of family and the theme of like falling back on someone who is family is I don't know something that's nice and something that is again relatable. Yeah. No, I agree with you. That's one of my favorite moments as well. I really, really like that scene because I also found myself wishing I had an older sister mm-hmm. that I could do that with. I could just cuddle with and just, you know, have, have someone to fall back on yeah. to your point mm-hmm. who maybe has better answers and the right answers that I don't always have to be the person to have the answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, really like the moment. Yeah. We can move on to like favorite scenes. I really do like that one scene when Meg tells Alice that she wants to have a baby and this interaction between the two of them, like sitting on the couch with the laptop, And Alice is like, wait, really? (laughs) And that moment is just incredibly sweet because Alice is just so on board and so happy for her sister. Mm -hmm. And Meg is, I don't know if she's looking for permission or her blessing from her younger sister, but I think that makes Meg feel all the more better about this decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just very sweet. They're just incredibly supportive of each other. Again, the whole like no judgment situation, like very refreshing. Mm -hmm. 
no one's trying to fix anybody. Like we are just who we are and this is how things kind of unveil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that moment was incredibly sweet. Yeah. I like that too. And I like that, you know, there were, there wasn't any talk of like their parents getting involved. They don't ever talk about their parents or like their parents having an opinion or, or even if they had parents, but I kind of like that they left it out just because Mm -hmm. it like really, you really saw how connected they were as sisters. And yeah, like I think, your siblings should be there like to not, you know, to not judge you and just to support you. And I thought that came across really nicely between Meg and Alice. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any other favorite scenes or moments? Um, You know, rewatching it last night. Yeah, there's this one scene where Alice is wearing this adorable <laughs> blazer jacket and she just uh-huh. looks hot. Like she looks so good with her bangs and her hair is up and she's riding her bike. She's going uh-huh. back to the place to get pancakes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember what's he. Uh-huh. And she runs into Josh, and she runs into Josh's family, who apparently still love her, because they, like, unapologetically are like, we like you better, meaning, <laughs> like, you better than the current girlfriend. And I just think it's like, I don't know if Alice is thinking, like, I changed, or I'm, like, starting to change, and I don't need you, you don't mean anything to me, but... You know, you sort of see Josh give a pause and he's like, yeah, we should, we should meet up. And she's like, she like stops him and she's like, I'll, I'll see you later. Like, I like that scene of like her, I don't know, like the ball kind of being in her court and her like kind of just shutting it down and being like, you know, I don't know what this is, but it's not anything. And, Mm. um, and then later on, like he sends her a text and says, you know, I miss you. And you come to find out much later on that he's still in this relationship. So you're like, okay, Josh is you know, not cool for doing those things and um, whatever that means about like him having unresolved feelings for Alice. But I don't know. I just really like that scene because it just shows you Alice is kind of starting to see this like thing in her life that's like her shifting her focus a little bit. Mm. I thought that was a really great scene. I think Dakota Johnson's adorable in that scene too. Mm-hmm. Like her hair's her kind hair, of like her outfit tussled a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. And a messy bun. And she also is just kind of owning the moment. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh my gosh, this is incredibly awkward. Like I thought mm-hmm. it was just really mm-hmm. endearing because it was incredibly <laughs> awkward. Yeah. They're like, get in this picture. And she's like, this is so not, this is <laughs> so, so crazy. Necessary. Yeah. Like I can take the picture for you. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was really cute how the parents, I, I literally LOL'd when the mom was like, we like you better. I and I was like, who? Josh is like, that? mom. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's okay. We're, we're good. We're going inside now. I thought that was really cute. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any favorite scenes in particular. I thought there were some funny lines between Meg and Ken, which is her man played by Jake Lacey. It's the scene when Ken finds out that Meg is pregnant oh, yeah. in the the baby store. <laughs> I think I held. <laughs> and Ken's like, "You're pregnant," and Meg kind of like doubles back. She's like, "I mean, it might not even stick." And then he goes, "It looked like it stuck." She's like, "Maybe like six months long at least," mm-hmm. and. Meg goes something like, haven't you noticed my boobs getting bigger? And Ken goes, yeah, I put that on my vision board. (laughs) He's just like so silly and so young. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really endearing. (laughs) Ken also says something. He goes, like, my eight-year-old costume for Halloween was a stay-at-home dad. (laughs) He's endearing. He's like just adorable. Has he been in anything else? So... I actually have seen him a lot recently. So he's in this. I think this was the first time I'd seen him. He was in another movie called Obvious Child with Jenny Slate. Hmm. I forget what year that came out. It was a little, it's not like a mainstream Mm rom-com. He was in High Fidelity, the TV show that I just kind of binged. Oh, okay. So yeah, he's kind of around, but he's not, I haven't seen him in other things other than Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I think he's adorable. I Googled him. He's kind of been pigeonholed and playing the quote unquote nice guy. Oh, interesting. He kind of, like, you know how some people just kind of look nice? Yeah. And like harmless. He looks like a puppy. He looks like a puppy. Yeah, he just, yeah, like a happy (laughs) puppy. Another, like, small moment that I laughed out loud was Lucy's character when she's dating Paul, who's played by Colin Jost from SNL. It's that scene where they're at (gasps) Grand Central Station and she, like, packs him, like, a lunch for his, like, 45 minute train ride (laughs) and then he's essentially breaking up with her and he's like i think i you know i thought i would break up with you on mlk day on martin luther king day and then lucy goes that sounds vaguely racist like this back and forth between the two of them lucy just not seeing any red flags Mm -hmm. like she doesn't realize how kind of neurotic she's being Mm -hmm. i was like that's a pretty funny line yeah that, that scene was funny 
And then final scene for me that I really enjoyed was David's character, Damon Wayans Jr. And his whole story arc with his daughter and the wife having passed and him just not being able to talk about her to his daughter. Mm -hmm. And at the end, he finally musters the courage and plays this video for his daughter. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was kind of sweet, you know, I didn't cry, but I was like, yeah, this is a really sweet moment. Yeah. And I wish in that moment that we had seen more of David. I I just like Damon Wayans Jr. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I love his character. I think he plays this like, not pretentious, but successful, you know, developer. Mm-hmm. But I like when he like snaps at Alice and then realizes like he is just not letting anyone in because he's, you know, obviously has a lot of trauma in his life. But I like when he shows up at her birthday and then she's kind of like, what are you doing here? And he just basically is like, I just came to apologize and gives her like a kiss on the cheek. I thought that was very, I don't know, nice. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought his character was just so sweet and so, like, you know, like, you do want her to give him another chance and you do want him to, like, heal sooner so that they could develop mm. something further. But I just thought it was, like, such a nice, like, not invasive way to, like, say sorry. Like, he wasn't even yeah. asking for another chance. He was basically apologizing and then he left. No, that's a really good point. I think I thought when I was watching the movie that they would end up together mm. or be on the way of being back in a relationship together but it was a little unpredictable in that way mm-hmm. that David isn't looking to get back with Alice yeah and that he yeah has to kind of deal with his own trauma remind me to ask you to ask me at the end <laughs> about deleted scenes because they're they actually they, he actually plays a part like a not so small part and it got left out obviously but that what your comment just reminded me of that okay definitely we'll ask you later Let's talk WTF moments. Plot holes, most unrealistic moments. Do you want to start with any, if you have any? Um, so I have, I mean, I, I know it's it's a movie. And aside from, like, everyone owning these, like, massive apartments, I, you know, there's a scene where, like, Robin and Alice, they go out partying and then they wake up and they go through, like, a marathon of, like, stopping by Bloomingdale, stopping by Dry Bar. And they're, and it, you know, inadvertently they're three and a half hours late to work. I'm like, how do you get away with something like that? Yeah, and also, isn't this like Alice's second day at work? Yes, it's her, it's definitely her first week. So I don't like I don't know. Their jobs just seem like a joke, and you know, as high up or as low as you are in the totem pole, like I just feel like there's no way you get away with something like that. Agreed. That's one of the things where I was like, WTF. And then I don't know. I didn't have too many, which is kind of funny because it's <laughs> it's a rom com at the end of the day. But one of the other ones was, and I only noticed this last night when I rewatched it, but when Alice has her rooftop birthday party, mm-hmm. I think Lucy was there. Like I saw Lucy's face. It was just like a quick pan over of um like people at the party. And then I was like, mm-hmm. wait, why is she there? That's so random. Cause there's at that point in the movie, there's there should not really be a connection. You know, Lucy had already had her boyfriend slash fiance at that point. Or th- they're about to announce that they're they got engaged. So I like in in my head, I'm like, she couldn't have been invited by Tom or maybe Tom was like, you know, this is like the girl I'm going to go after that maybe he did invite her and she was like, yeah, sure, I'm game. Yes, I to me, that was a glaring moment because (laughs) I know you probably have seen this movie more, obviously more times than me, but I was like, wait, Alice and Lucy have never even met. Right. Like, right. Why is Lucy at Alice's birthday party? This makes zero sense. I love that you caught that, Michelle. (laughs) I was really confused. I was like. Yeah, there's no reason for her to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so this is also kind of going back to one of the things I didn't like is that I there could have been opportunity, I feel, for Alice and Lucy to, like, meet or know each other and for Lucy's character to not feel so kind of, like, on the side. Mm. I, I feel like the storytelling of Lucy's character was just very not interwoven with Alice's character. And I feel like it could have been. But, mm-hmm. yeah, seeing her pop up at her birthday party was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Huh? I had th- I had the same reaction, and yeah. I remember turning to my sister and I was like, "What is Lucy doing at the party?" <laughs> she didn't she could not care less. But anyways, I was like, "She doesn't belong at that party." There's no reason yeah. that their stories intertwine or cross paths. Totally, but, yeah, agree. a plot hole in my mind. Yes, for sure. Same here. <laughs> Moving on, the other thing I didn't love, or the thing I didn't get, was like this whole zipper symbol. Oh, yeah. 
Yes. A lot of women, we struggle with our zippers and it is a lot easier to get someone else to unzip you or zip you. But my whole thing is that if you can zip it by yourself, can you unzip it by yourself? (laughs) I love how nitpicky we are. (laughs) I know it's meant to be symbolic of like her trying to problem solve her own issues Mm -hmm. and, you know, building this contraption to, you know, with magnets to unzip her zipper. But I was just like, "Uh, okay, (laughs) I'll go along with it. But I was just like, this is a lot. It is a little silly. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of learn to find ways to be creative, like whether it's flipping your dress the other way around or like, right. I don't know, like not zipping it up all the way if you can get away with that. Yeah. But yeah. But also like maybe this is just me and I'm mostly a practical person is that like if you know you live alone and you struggle with zippers, stop buying clothes with zippers. <laughs> Michelle, not everyone is as practical as you <laughs> I was just like, stop making this a problem. Just eliminate the problem. I think my mom literally, okay, so I must have seen this with my mom at some point, but I remember her like snarking at that scene at the very end where Uh she has this like whole contraption and she like has this pulley system. And my mom actually made a comment like, oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) So you're, you're onto something, Michelle. (laughs) Me and your mom, we're on the same wavelength. You guys are on the same wavelength, yeah. Okay, sorry. One last one is... Robin and Alice, we know that they meet at work, but then, you know, there's that scene at Alice's birthday where Alice kind of like gets upset with Robin. Like, you know, they kind of have, they have it out with each other, mm-hmm. but then like, does Robin like quit her job? Does she not see Alice at work anymore? Like that's never really mentioned. It's just mm-hmm. Alice kind of continues to live her life, but Robin apparently isn't in it anymore. What happens at the very, very end when she's like, I miss you. Alice goes to Robin's apartment and she realizes, oh my gosh, Robin, you're rich. Why do we hang out at my apartment? Because your apartment is huge. But that's it. Robin's like, I didn't have to work at the legal firm. I just did it because it was fun. I guess that, yeah, that could be an interpretation. Like, was she just so wealthy that she quit if they're not seeing each other? Yeah, I guess I wish that that had been just said. Like, they're supposed to be friends from work, but then just Robin just disappears from work, I guess. Yeah, I didn't catch, I didn't catch that. Um, let's talk the ending. I assume you like the ending. I love the ending. I actually think the ending is what makes this movie. You know, I think she says one or two lines that like, you know, as a single person, you're like, oh, she has a point. Like, it's not that often you find yourself completely alone. It could be a parent, a pet, a sibling. You know, why not use your time as a single person to like, really be good at it? Like, actually, like, cherish that alone time and, and, you know, climb the Grand Canyon at the night before New Year's Day. And I just, I really like that message because, again, it's like, you know, she was that girlfriend that needed her boyfriend to install her router. And I think there's a lot of girls that relate to that. I know I was that person that, mm-hmm. like, felt like anything related to, like, a technical setup or, like, a like anything related to, like, my entertainment system, I would be like, like, oh, this would be so much easier if I just had... Um, a boyfriend in my life, but I like what she says at the end because, you know, especially like a parent, a pet, a sibling, like you could be alone, but you could still have a pet for a companionship. You could have a parent who's, you know, just like takes up a lot of your time, but to be truly, truly alone, like, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's ever thought that deeply about like, oh yeah, I, I, there's very few moments in my life that I'm actually alone, alone with my thoughts where I can self-reflect or like do the crazy thing that I that was on my bucket list but just do it alone and not have to like involve another person yeah I think that that message is not really told a lot it's that we should find our partner we should find a partner and like find your person but it's never about being able to be alone and finding comfort in being alone which I think is to your point incredibly important as well Mm -hmm. so yeah I do think that the ending is really uh satisfying it's very hopeful Mm -hmm. Alice gets to, you know, hike the Grand Canyon and achieve that one dream that she's had. But then we also see the rest of the characters, like they also have different happy endings. And for a rom-com, none of them really end up together except for Meg and Ken. Mm. And that's Mm -hmm. not even like a marriage or anything. It's just like this agreement that this declaration that they love each other, which doesn't necessarily mean that they'll stay together, right? So I do think that that was an interesting or a different way to have an ending for a rom-com. Like a conclusion. Yeah. On a side note, I actually thought that Lucy and Tom would end up together though. Lucy doesn't even like Tom romantically. (laughs) That would have been, I think the more traditional way to end Mm -hmm. it was that like convenient way to, yeah. Right. Right. But I kind of like that everybody kind of has growth 
you know, Tom deletes all these random women mm-hmm. from his phone. And he, he said he like he booby trapped his apartment. Like, <laughs> so extreme. He didn't have running water. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that. I thought that was, it was pretty cool that everybody had revelations. Yeah. Who is your favorite character in the movie? My favorite character is, I think Lucy is someone that you just like, you see her, like just her character development from going to like neurotic girl that wants to use statistics and crazy algorithms to find, to pinpoint and find a guy and like have this contrived love story happen to, you know, just like in a bout of insanity when she's doing the storytelling thing at this children's bookstore, she, you know, she meets someone. I, I don't know. I, I like I like her storyline and I like, I love her. I love her. I don't watch community, but I, I have my siblings watch mm-hmm. and I'll like just watch in the background sometimes. And I just, I love her. I think she's, she's so pretty. She's so funny. And she's like, she's, she has a couple scenes in the bloopers where she's just like silly. Like she's, she makes these like weird noises and I think she just knows how to have fun with herself. And I think that's awesome. But I really like Meg. I also really like Leslie Mann. I think she also, like, she's always been very likable. You know, she plays these roles in different movies mm-hmm. where she's just, like, she's not annoying. She She's true to herself. And just her relationship with Ken, Jake Lacey. Mm-hmm. If only Ken's really existed, right? Like, adorable, harmless, good-looking guys. Yeah. I don't know. I just, like, all three. So I guess Lucy, Leslie Mann's character, Ken. I just think, like, outside of Alice I just thought they their characters were really lovable and like funny yeah yeah now that you said it I think Meg might be my favorite character Mm. maybe because I'm closer in age to Meg (laughs) than I am to an Alice I I you know this is gonna be TMI but when she was like you know when she was like looking at like sperm donors online and like you know like yeah we are closer in age to Meg so the possibility of like forming a family is we are closer to making kind of those kinds of decisions. So right. The fact that she was like, is this crazy? I'm going to do it. Is, yeah. is like, like you go girlfriend, like you yeah. have the means to do it. It's not, a, it's not a cheap decision, but I just think she's like, she just kind of decides to do it one, one night. And I think that's kind of cool that she can. Yeah. I think her story arc also, like she has this tremendous amount of growth and learning of herself but also, like, she's just so funny. Like, there's that one scene where Ken surprises her outside of the hospital. And he's like, ooh, let's go Christmas tree shopping. And, like, Meg loses it. Like, she's just really, like, freaking out. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't have any of the the lines written down. But there's this one thing that, like, I remember is where she's, she goes, my hip hurts. Like, I can't, so I can't even do, like, weird positions. Like, She's just like trying to take herself out of the equation as fast as she can mm-hmm. just to avoid getting hurt. Mm-hmm. And like just her spiral, her spiraling <laughs> is just so funny. And Ken is just standing there being like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but then he goes to her apartment and buys her this plastic tree. I know. It's so cute. Which, it's cute. But I was like, oh, that's, is that slightly creepy? But it's, it's just incredibly sweet at the end. Yeah, you know, it is. Mm-hmm. I think Ken like really sees her, which is, it sounds so dramatic, but like he recognizes that yes, she's older. Yes. That she might be coming from different places and she wants this baby, but like he just accepts it all, which is, you know, to your point, so unrealistic. Like Mm -hmm. if only there were more Kens out in the world, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I just, I love that dynamic where she has control of her own narrative Mm -hmm. and she's not doing it because there's a man in her life. Totally. Um, one of the questions that I always ask is, do the characters stay together? But in this case, there is no partner for Alice. Mm-hmm. So that's a first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely what you talked about earlier. Just It's just a very non-traditional rom-com. Yeah. My question for you then, I guess, is do you think Josh marries Michelle, his fiance? I do. I do. I know he like was about to have sex with Alice like on the night of her birthday, you know, I, I think it takes a lot for, this is, this is me, like, reading way too much into, like, a 10-second scene. But, like, you know, I, I think his actions say a lot about his feelings that are left for Alice and them not having, you know, in the in the beginning when Alice was like, you know, I, I just need to take this break because I, I just need to stop questioning and I just need to know for sure, which I think a lot of people go through. Sometimes it's the guy that initiates that convo. Sometimes it's the girl but then, mm-hmm. like, when she, like, has her 
you know, a couple nights out with Tom and she's like, okay, this is not what I want. This is like, right. it's a zoo out here. And she's like, she like sets up that breakfast and she's like, I'm done. I'm, I'm ready. Like, let's go back. And you, you find out that like, they were not on the same page about what this break was supposed to mean. And you know, there may be some like unresolved stuff between Tom or between, I'm sorry, um, Josh and Alice, but Josh, I just, I don't know. It seems like he had spent a lot of time with Michelle already and that Christmas party. I, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I would not invite an ex to a Christmas party that, no. I, that I'm about a host. But I don't know. You just kind of get the sense that Josh maybe just isn't such a great person after all. And he's probably going to go forward with this wedding. I'm just totally just taking a guess at how like the storyline would be extended. But that would be my two cents. Yeah. And I don't. I don't know if Josh is a bad person. I think he's just, you know, we're all confused in our early 20s. It's like, what do we want? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Not to belittle people in their 20s, but yeah, like it's it's a hard, confusing time. Mm-hmm. I think Josh probably was incredibly hurt with Alice wanting this quote unquote break. So he probably, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, there's a lot of illusions we can make right. and deductions we can make, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, just that alone is 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 kind of like, you know, I wrote down a question like, do you believe in breaks? But like, you know, we don't need to go in that into that because that's <laughs> that's a whole other thing. That is so, a whole other thing. Yeah. Some other things I wanted to talk to you about was uh and knowing you, what is your response to the music of the movie? I remember playing Phoebe Ryan's mind like on repeat after I mm. saw this movie. And it, it has a generally good soundtrack, but it was nothing like 13 going on 30. Like, no, like, 80s classics. I mean, mm-hmm. it's also a modern, more modern film, but... Right. Yeah, I don't know. I thought, like, the Phoebe Ryan song, which gets played at the end when she's, like, on the Stairmaster, like, she's preparing for a Grand Canyon trip, like, that'll always remind me as a song of, like, fierceness and independence and whatever but Mm. yeah I don't know I thought the music was good but nothing to like write home about yeah I was as I was watching it I was like oh I wonder if Viv like likes this or doesn't like it because it's a lot of modern songs it is a lot of of modern songs yeah Mm -hmm. the movie came out in 2016 so there's I wrote down there's Avicii there's Fifth Harmony Mm -hmm. I do like the the cover of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas Mm, by mm-hmm. Rumor, who I don't know who that is. I'm Yeah, I didn't know who that was. But I was listening to this, I looked up the soundtrack on Spotify after it, and I was like, oh, this is actually quite enjoyable, like, on its own. Mm-hmm. Haley Steinfeld closes out the movie with Love Myself, which, you know, is a very kind of, like... Feel good. Feel good, like, anthem, you know, you don't need anybody else. You mm-hmm. just need to love yourself. So that was very on the nose. Um, I forget, did we have more to unpack about why this movie was so beloved or popular or not? You know, now that we've spent some time talking about it, I actually, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of makes a little more sense now, maybe why it wasn't so popular or isn't so talked about is because this trope of like, you know, you can find happiness, you can achieve those dreams while being alone is just maybe just not something that is, I feel like it's not celebrated as often as traditional Mm. rom-coms are. Not to say it's bad, it's just, it's not as... It's just not as popular theme. Yeah. But I don't know. I also think that's what makes it stand apart from the other rom-coms with two people at the end. Yeah. So after after talking to you about this, so I'm going to officially change my score. <laughs> Success. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to change it to, but I do think a 6.3 is quite harsh. I don't know if I would give it a 7. Maybe I'm in between like a 6.5 to a 7. Okay. Because I do think that this movie is especially unique in the sense that we should celebrate the moments that we're single, Mm -hmm. even though they may be hard. I do think that those moments are few and rare because most, maybe I have my generalizations wrong, but most of us will likely couple up with someone and that time is going to be very different from when you were single. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should relish those moments where we have no one to answer to, but ourselves and get to make all the decisions for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I, I I know you mentioned in the beginning, this is based off of a novel. And I know there have been a couple of times where books have been adapted into films and, you know, sometimes liberties are taken. I, I do want, I know none, none of us have, have read the book, but I do wonder mm-hmm. if it stays pretty true to what happened in the book. So I actually took the Amazon summary of the book. Mm-hmm. It's actually very different. So oh. I'm going to read it to you really, really quickly. 
Fed up with New York City's dating scene and depressed by the marital failures of her friends, 37-year-old publicist Julie Jensen travels throughout the world to learn how women from other cultures cope with being single, while her friends back home struggle with their own romantic foibles. That sounds like a completely different movie. Yeah, it sounds completely different. So I'm not Sounds like Eat, sure. Pray, Love. Yeah, it does. I, so I do wonder what was taken hmm. from the book to be adapted for the movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was purposefully meant to be geared towards the younger demographic versus woman in her mid-30s. Mm-hmm. But Interesting. Yeah, it sounds very different. It doesn't necessarily make me want to read the book, though, either. No, so yeah. I, I'm very okay not reading it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but books usually tend to be better than the movies. True. This summary mm-hmm. is very different from the movie that we just watched. So I don't really know what to take away from that. Yeah, I kept waiting for you to like actually tell me the synopsis. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, wow, it's very different. Very different. Yeah. So maybe maybe to your point, this movie should be kind of more well-liked than a scathing 6.1. I think so. You know, Michelle, it's not too late. <laughs> I'm going to use your podcast as a platform to raise all these freaking imdb scores yeah let's do that <laughs> just a very few points of trivia is that drew barrymore who produced the film actually her production company was supposed to direct the film lily collins was supposed to play alice oh which isn't she super young i don't know how old she is i i think i like dakota johnson in this role because even though i'm as I'm neutral about her, like, you know, not neutral, I just don't have any roles that I love about her, is that, yeah, I think she played this pretty well. Yeah, I, I do too. The last point is that this movie was released the same weekend as Deadpool and Zoolander 2. I didn't know there was a Zoolander 2. Interesting. <laughs> not a good one. But I, I kind of quickly skimmed the Reddits about the conversation surrounding this movie, and... Some people seem to think that if Deadpool had come out at a different time, that this movie would have gotten more love. So a lot of people mm. feel that Deadpool overshadowed this movie at the box office. That's not that's not a bad point because I feel like Deadpool was such a guy's movie. And like if you're going to with you know, if you're going to see this movie with your significant other, actually I don't know who you would see a movie like entitled How to Be Single with. I guess girls. Never mind. <laughs> I just talked myself out of that. Probably your girlfriend. Yeah. 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 I mean, not your romantic partner, right. probably not. Right. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense that Deadpool definitely overshadowed this movie when it came out. Mm-hmm. Before we get into last takes, I do want to hear, I'm, re- I'm here officially reminding you about the deleted scenes. Yes, thank you. So I own the DVD. Once again, I buy, I don't buy DVDs anymore, but apparently I love this movie so much I bought the DVD. There are like maybe six sections. I didn't watch all of them. I only watched the ones that I thought would be funny. There was a gag reel. Again, why I love Alison Brie. She like, she's just... Mm. So funny. There was a pros and cons section of how to be single, which did not make any sense. So what they basically did was they stitched together scenes of the movie and they would write a pro, like a little like shout out that would say pro or con of like, you know, pros and cons of how to be single. And I don't know. It was just did not make any sense to me. My sister agrees. But the most interesting part was probably the deleted scene. So the first example is David... He's in his like gigantic office, glass office, and this coworker, mm-hmm. presumably like someone like a secretary, hits on him. Mm. She like brings up something about like, oh, did you get my chat? And he's kind of like, what? Like, what did you message me on? Anyways, she's essentially asks him out. They go clubbing, and it turns out she's like a huge party animal, like does ecstasy, and basically is like not David's type. But in that clubbing scene, he passes by Alice without. Like, they don't make eye contact, they don't see each other, but I just thought, oh, that kind of would have been interesting if, I don't know, maybe they kept that scene. I like that sort of, like, you know, that just subtle reminder of, like, you just pass by people that come in and out of your life without realizing it. Wait, when was this scene supposed to have happened? Was this, like, before Mm. they, like, officially got into a relationship or, like, after they broke up? Yeah. Or we just don't know? We don't know, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And then... There was another deleted scene where Tom, on purpose, cuts the Wi-Fi off. So Lucy has to go downstairs and borrow the Wi-Fi, which oh. I was like, oh, that's actually, I mean, I guess like you can use your imagination. Maybe that's why they cut it off. But I was like, that's interesting if he did do that, you know, to like mm-hmm. kind of like to make something happen between him and Lucy. Right. And then the third deleted scene that was notable to me was Alice. They're at the Christmas party. This is Josh's Christmas party with, you know, his girlfriend there. Mm -hmm. And Alice is telling the story 
and she like lays it up nicely. I, f- I forget the, the details of the story, but anyways, like she lays it up nicely. Rebel Wilson makes a comment back and like the whole room is laughing. And then Josh like pretty much shames Alice in front of everybody and things get super quiet. And he's like, why would you do that? Like, why would you flush? Like, I feel sorry for you. Like it had something to do with like her being topless. Like her shirt accidentally came off at like a, some event. You, you, you know, you just kind of get the sense that like, He's either jealous or there's something that's like unresolved. But anyways, I didn't care too much for that scene. But yeah, I thought those were, the David one was interesting. And then Tom cutting the Wi-Fi off was was interesting too. I think if Tom, if we saw Tom cut the Wi-Fi, that just kind of further, I mean, it's superfluous, I guess, but yeah, it does kind of like double down that he really wants to be with Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. And the club scene, yeah, I can also see why that was deleted, just because, like, it's not about David's love story. It's just not necessary. necessarily. Right, right. Although he's beautiful to look at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been nice to kind of fantasize that he wants to be with Alice. Totally, yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, we're going to have to, like, kind of dive through your DVD stack, because <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing to me. I don't have a DVD player anymore, so. <laughs> it's hard to find deleted scenes. Like, I don't even know how you navigate deleted scenes when you're, like, stream movie online yeah i mean youtube has some gems but mm. it's not everything mm-hmm. that like the dvd has it's just like bits and pieces mm-hmm. of clips dvd is the way to go it really is oh i'll have to go through my stash yeah <laughs> i think that's hilarious i love it uh yeah i guess we can kind of wrap things up um unless you have any last takes or last things you want to no i i think i'm hopefully i did um I did this movie justice and people that listen either will give it a second chance or they'll watch it for the first time. But thanks again for having me on. This was awesome. Yeah, of course. I do. I think your nine of this movie is to date officially the highest score that any movie has received. <laughs> oh, ever? Ever. Wow. Well, you know, I think the ones I own, the DVDs I own are all like eights and nines. Yeah. So. Yeah. To be fair. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, thank you so much again. Definitely. I look forward to you coming back on for another another movie soon. Me too. Me too. Thanks to all tuning in to another episode of Romcom Weekly. You can check us out on Instagram at Romcom Weekly, and we'll chat with you again next week. Bye. Bye.